keeping your eyes closed, we'll say the set-aside prayer to ourselves silently. Uh, some of you might not know it, so I will do it line by line and encourage you to take a moment after each line and think about what it's asking you to do and not asking you to do. So the first word of the prayer is God. So just take one moment right now to try to find that still quiet place inside of you, that place that has a connection to all knowledge and all power. Then the prayer says, please enable me to set aside everything I think I know. So take a moment and just see if there's anything that you're holding on to, that you know that you're right about, that you're holding on to. that I may have an open mind and a new experience. So just take a moment and ask your higher power to help you have an open mind, a mind with no preconceived ideas, no opinions, and a new experience. Help me to see the truth about AA, the 12 steps, and the principles embodied in the steps. So just take a moment and ask your higher power to help you to see the truth in all things. Amen. And when you're ready, gently open your eyes. Don't move. Just open your eyes and allow yourself to begin to see. And take a moment and just become conscious of seeing. Become conscious of colors. Become conscious of lightness and darkness. Become conscious of seeing the space between you and what you're seeing without a story about what you are actually seeing. Just becoming conscious of what's around you and where you are and that your eyes are seeing.
So I've been calling this a workshop. Um, so this is a practicing, not a listening. I mean, listening is a practice, but this is not about learning something here today that you're going to learn and maybe you could take notes and start a little notebook of things that you've learned at this meeting and then hopefully like when somebody cuts you off on the freeway you can find that note what do I do when someone cuts me off on the freeway and then you can apply the principle of forgiveness and, and that would be a self-help program that would be something that I learned that now I can manage my driving better or when I walk in the house and I see that the dishes aren't done and I'm tired and I worked all day and nobody else did and I'm wondering why they ate all that stuff and then left the dirty dishes in the sink. And I could turn to the page in my book where I wrote notes about what to do when the dishes are dirty and I'm tired and, and I'm not happy about it. Uh, and then I could manage my life again and, and figure out the right thing to do. But that's not what this is about. The 12 steps as a way of life is a way of life where I am trusting and relying upon access to all knowledge and all power so that I could intuitively know how to handle situations that used to baffle me. And all of these things used to baffle me and cause lots of pain for me and everybody in my life. And so this is there are there there is no answer to my problem the answer to all of my problems is i need god's help that's the answer to all of my problems today i have had moral and philosophical convictions galore but i cannot live up to them i need god's help on my own power i am selfish and self-centered in the extreme and if I don't get rid of this selfishness, it will kill me. Kill me. That's what the book says. Killed is dead. Not injured. Not mangled. Killed. My selfishness will kill me. It might injure and mangle a lot of people along the way. But me, it's going to kill. And there often seems no way for me to get rid of my selfishness and my self-centeredness on my own power. I have to have God's help. So, as a practice, we're, we're, we're eventually we're going to get to step 10 today. This is a step, this is a meeting about step 10. But uh, you can't practice step 10 in a vacuum. I can't uh, practice um, continuing to take personal inventory and when I'm wrong, promptly admitting it because Randy with alcoholism is never, ever wrong. Never. I've never, ever, ever been wrong. And yes, you are hearing me correctly. I have never, ever been wrong. I have done a lot of wrong things in my life, but Randy has never been wrong he only did those things because he had to. And the reason I had to do it was because of you or my circumstances. And because of you and my circumstances, what I did, I had to do. So I was not wrong. You were. And that is a way of life. And that is the way that I live my life. And I blame all of my bad behavior on you. All of it. So...
If you would just get your acts together, I wouldn't have to practice 12 steps. My life would be wonderful. And so this meeting is about you acting better. <laughs> oh, see you next week. <clears throat> ah, that's a way of life. I lived that way of life my whole life. And if you didn't act better, I would just cut you out of my life. And hence, I had a lot of turnover in my life. Uh, and, and all that turnover caused a lot of emotional pain. And that emotional pain needed a treatment. And the best, easiest to get over-the-counter treatment for this unreasonable Selfish, self-centered, fault-finding, opinionated, unsatisfiable, always in a hurry, easily frustrated mind was alcohol. And so I drank a lot of alcohol because I couldn't get you to act right. So I drank alcohol to kill the pain of you not acting right. And I blame that on you also, by the way. I never drank. I never got drunk because I intended to get drunk. You made me in so much pain I had to drink. You being a girlfriend that didn't go the way I wanted it to, or a job that didn't go the way I wanted it to, or my parents not treating me the way I wanted them to, or not buying me the car that I wanted them to buy me. So I have alcoholism. I have this disease that talks to me in my own mind. I believe everything it says. I'm never wrong. I'm always in a hurry, easily, easily frustrated, unsatisfiable, fault-finding, and opinionated. So I'm killing that pain with alcohol until I become allergic to alcohol. Today, right now, right here, right now, I'm allergic to alcohol. I can never, ever drink alcohol successfully again. So now what? So now I can't drink alcohol and I'm a complete defeat at being okay in the world that I live in because you don't act right. We've already established that. You're the problem. And so I cannot live in this world to good purpose because of you. And I'm a complete defeat at being okay with you, whoever you are, or with my circumstances, whatever they are. I am a complete defeat at being okay with that. And the first step and the lack of alcohol is where I begin to see that. Because when I can't take the alcohol anymore to kill the pain, it's just pain. There's no way out. And I start to begin to see that my life, my inner thought life is unmanageable and I cannot get through a day without wanting to kill somebody myself or others. And now I can admit that. And I admit that I need some help and my admission of personal powerlessness to be okay in the day that I'm in, drinking or not drinking, that becomes the firm bedrock upon which this new happy and purposeful life can be built. And so Right now, I have to have the spirit of complete defeat. If I don't have it, if I have just an inkling of I can handle this, there's no recovery possible. I might not drink, but I will not be happy, joyous, and free. I will be trying to manage my life. My life is unmanageable, and I will be in emotional pain. But when I get in enough emotional pain and I stand ready to do anything which will lift my merciless obsession, I get to walk into step two. And I get to start right now, right here, in this moment, with all of you right now, I get to start coming to believe that there's a power, that that power is greater than me, and that that power is the power that's going to restore me to sanity. Not going to fix you. Not going to fix my circumstances. It's going to fix me. 
It's going to allow me to have a quiet mind. It's going to allow me to be present in this moment. It's going to allow me to be the man that it wants me to be. And so in order for that to happen, I have to rightly relate myself to that power. So being that this is a workshop, I'm going to give you a moment now to take a moment and look at your complete defeatedness. Not that you're bad. You're not bad. You're just incapable if you have alcoholism. I am just incapable of being okay in this moment with my mind. I'm a complete defeat at being present, at listening, at having an open mind, at having a quiet mind. So take a moment and look at where you weren't a complete defeat today or where you are now, and then start to rightly relate yourself to your higher power in this moment, right here, right now. That feels so good when I do that. I don't want to stop. I think, what what else is there to talk about? Once I start rightly relating myself to my higher power in this moment, that's all I want to do. But I forget. I forget what it feels like to be restored to sanity. I th and, and the alcoholism drags me back into, no, if you had more money, then you could have a quiet mind. Or if you had a different wife, then you could have a quiet mind. Or if you had a different car, then you could have a quiet mind. But I can have a quiet mind right now. If I'll just look at it, if I'll just admit my complete defeatedness at not having a quiet mind, my powerlessness at quieting my mind on my own power. And if I would start to do what we just did, rightly relate myself, power, could you be with me? Could you help me to see who I'm being? Could you speak through me? Could you help me to listen? Could you help me to be present? Could you help me to be the man that you want me to be right now? And when I start to do that, I get serenity. I get sanity. I get a quiet mind. All of a sudden, I can sit at the meeting that I came to, that I took time out of my day to come sit in front of a screen and hear something, but since I've been sitting here, my mind's been talking about what other people are wearing or what their rooms look like or when am I going to get to share and what am I going to say when I share and am I going to look stupid or smart and all the other stuff that I'm trying to manage that keeps my unsatisfiable, fault-finding, opinionated mind triggered. But when I do it, when I do it, when I stop, when I admit complete defeat, when I share my life with my higher power, when I rightly relate myself, when I take that time, I get a quiet mind. I always do. It's easier here in the meeting when we do it together. It's so easy. 
But at any time during the day, that is what I could be doing. Walking down the street, sitting at my desk, driving my car, eating a sandwich. I don't eat sandwiches anymore. I'm allergic to wheat, to flour. I don't know why I said sandwich. When I have these moments of quiet, when my mind is quiet, I have, I have sanity. When I have enough moments of sanity, I can make a decision. The decision is, do I want to turn my, my attention, my will in my life, my attention, my consciousness, to trying to please alcoholism, which is unsatisfiable, so it's totally futile and terrible, but, but that's my choice. I can go there and try and satisfy alcoholism, or I can turn my attention to something higher power and try to fit myself in my will and my life, my thoughts and my actions in with what I think all knowledge and all power would have me do now into that quiet mind and do the next right indicated thing that's right in front of me to do right now. And that's my decision. I can make that decision because of the experience that I had of 10 seconds ago, rightly relating myself to my higher power and being restored to sanity. I, I know the difference and I can make that choice. Or I could brush my teeth. <laughs> I have free will. I can do whatever I want. My power loves me so much. I can do whatever I want whenever I want. Now, having made that decision, to turn my will and my life over to the care of God as I understood him. Then there's a fourth step and a fifth step and a sixth step and a becoming entirely ready to have God remove all of my defects of character, all of my story, the good and the bad, all of it. And I become entirely willing to have it remove all of my shortcomings that stand in the way of being the man that God would have me be in step seven. And in eight, I made a list of all the people I harmed and I became willing to make amends to them. Right now, I am willing to do that. So I am no longer walking around with the fear of who's going to show up around this next corner. Because I am ready and I am ready to make amends to that person if they should show in, up in my life. And in step nine, I actually go out purposefully to clean up the wreckage of my past and to pay the price for the harms that I've done in the past. I go out and look for people that I have harmed and I try to make their lives better by doing something for them that would make their life better because I had done a lot of things to them that had made their life worse. And I try to pay the price for the harms that I have done wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them more because that would be ridiculous. How could I go to somebody to try to make it right and cause more trouble? That would be, that would just be insane. And I've been restored to sanity in step two in this moment right now here. And so I, I don't have to do that anymore. And I do that with the help of a sponsor. Eight and nine are heavy, heavy sponsor uh, helped steps. You, I do not make amends to anybody until I have talked over with my sponsor what I have done, what I think I have done, and what I would like to do to make amends to them. And then when I do do that with the person, when I do go to them and I tell them the harms that I've done to them, I ask them, have I left anything out? And then I 
explain to them what I have come up with as my plan for making restitution for the harms done, for making amends to making it right. And then I ask them if there is anything that they feel that I could do uh, or if they would prefer me to do something different. And I make amends to them the way they would like to be amended. And, and, uh, and now I'm at step 10. Now I have cleared away 98% of the wreckage of my past. Everyone that would allow me to make amends to, I've made amends to. Everyone who couldn't, wouldn't allow me to, I have made other arrangements between me and my sponsor and to find ways to make that amends. And the ones that I can't make amends to, I'm willing to. And so I'm ready when the, when the time should pop up. And now I'm in step 10. Step 10 is I'm going to continue to take personal inventory. And when I'm wrong, I'm going to promptly admit it. Okay, so now I'm wrong. For the first time in my whole life, at step 10, I can finally admit when I'm wrong. Because now I know that all of that bad behavior that I blamed on you was wrong. That you were not responsible for my bad behavior. And I can no longer blame you for my bad behavior because I have seen the harms that I've done to others. I've paid the price for that harm. I know what the cost is of lying today. I know what the cost is of stealing. I've gone back and paid back money to people. I've gone back and corrected lies. I've seen how devastating it is to them and to myself to do that and what the price is for the, all of this bad behavior. And because I've learned how to take inventory in four and in step eight, I'm able to see how I harm others and where I'm wrong. And so now I'm in step 10 and the most mind-blowing thing that I ever heard in AA, well, one of them, was that what it says in the 12 and 12, the spiritual axiom. Step 10. It is a spiritual axiom that right now, whenever I'm disturbed right now, no matter what the cause, there is something wrong with me. No matter what the cause, if I'm upset, there's something wrong with me. No matter what. There's no outs. No matter what the cause, there's something wrong with me. If somebody hurts me and I'm sore, I am in the wrong also. But are there no exceptions to this rule? What about justifiable anger? If somebody cheats me, aren't I entitled to be mad? Aren't I? Can't I be properly angry with self-righteous people? For me, as an alcoholic with alcoholism, these are dangerous exceptions. I have found that justifiable anger ought to be left to those better qualified to handle it. And then it says this, and this is, this is, this, they put in the book for me. 
nor was I ever skillful in separating justified for, from unjustified anger. As I saw it, my wrath was always justified. I'm not a crazy person. I would never get mad just for the fun of getting mad. That's crazy. I only get mad when you act badly. And I am 100% right every time I get angry. I'm not crazy. Anyway. Step 10, it goes on in the 12 and 12 to talk about spot check inventories and end of the day inventories and annual inventories. Step 10 is a right now step as a way of life. This is my opinion. I don't go, step 10 is a right now step, always right now. And, and what it says in the, in the 12 and 12, in the big book, it says, I continue to take personal inventory, and when I'm wrong, promptly admit it. Uh, can, it's the, it starts with the word continued. Continued is right now. I can't continue to do anything later. I can't continue to do it before. I can only continue to do something right now. So I continue to take personal inventory. It's a way of life now. How am I doing, God? Am I being the man that you want me to be? Or am I up to my old tricks again? Help me to see who I'm being. Was that a kind and loving thought I just said? Or was that gossip? Was I trying to help that person or was I trying to feel better than them? I vigorously commenced this way of living as I cleaned up the past. I've entered the world of the spirit. My next function now, my function now is to grow in understanding and effectiveness. So if I'm trying to grow in understanding and effectiveness and you do something that I think is you're doing it to me, there is no understanding and effectiveness in that. When somebody harms me, 99% of the time, it has nothing to do with me. They're doing what they have to do because their mind is telling them if they don't do that, they're a loser. Or that's what they need in order to stay alive. Or that's what they need to be okay. They're not doing it to me. What I found in my fourth step was I, I didn't act badly to that person. I, am, I just act badly because I'm selfish and self-centered in the extreme. And most people are selfish and self-centered in the extreme. Most people have an unsatisfiable mind. I don't care if they're drunk or sober or have alcoholism. It's kind of the human condition to have an unsatisfied mind. Now, some people have gratitude as a way of life and they live with a satisfiable mind and they, they, see, they see the world half full. Alcoholics, we're all half empty people. We're always seeing what we're not getting, not what we're getting. So, but I have to see that I am, I don't do things to you personally. I just do things and forget about you and don't take you into consideration. So for me to get angry that you did something, if you don't, 
that you did something to me uh, is a little bit selfish and self-centered and has a tiny bit of insanity in it. Because you're just doing, what I know today is that you're just doing what you have to do to be okay. It's not about me. I think everything is about me, but it's not about me. But my side of the street is about me. I continue to watch for selfishness, dishonesty, resentment, and fear. And when these crop up, guess what I do? <laughs> I open my notebook of things I learned in a meeting or from a guru or from the Bible. And then I try to practice what I learned in that meeting. <laughs> no, I ask God at once to remove them. I turn my attention from what it is that's bothering me to a higher power. The only instruction in the, all of the 12 steps is turning. I stand at the turning point. Everything is a turning point. The end of this thought is a turning point. I ask God's protection and care with complete abandon of self, or I stand at the turning point. And I ask my protection and care with complete abandon of God. And there are no half measures. It's all God or all Randy. Even if Randy has a really good notebook of things to do in emergencies. Things to do when selfishness, dishonesty, and, re and resentment and fear pop up. I still, even if I can remember the notes, even if I have them in my mind, if I turn to Randy, Randy's going to use selfishness and self-centeredness to work this situation out in the best possible way for Randy. If I turn towards my higher power, there's a chance that this situation could work out in the best possible way for everybody. And I could have some love and tolerance and peace. I discuss them with someone immediately, and I make amends quickly if I have harmed anyone. So I know how to make amends because I've done it in step nine. I know when it's appropriate to make amends because I'm in a relationship with a higher power that understands prudence, good timing, and, uh, and the other qualities, courage, and all of the things that I'm going to need to do it because I've built that relationship with that power and I've had that experience. And so now I can trust and rely on my higher power to help me do the right thing in the right time. And, and when I'm wrong, which is right now, right here, right now, when I feel it in my gut, I can feel that, I can feel that uh, selfishness or that dishonesty or that resentment or fear. I can feel it tightening in my gut. And when I feel that, I admit it first to myself. Look at me. I feel it. I admit it to myself. And sometimes I admit it to another human being, maybe the one that's standing right in front of me. Hey, you know, I'm feeling a selfishness coming on about this and uh, I, I'm not treating you well. But all the time I admit it to myself and to God. And that's the turning. I admit it to myself. The moment I feel restless, irritable, or discontent, the moment I feel angry or lustful or... Uh, resentful or prideful 
or gluttonous or I want to procrastinate, the moment that happens, I turn to my higher power and I admit it to my higher power as a way of life. Because if I don't, then I'm going to be talking it over with me. And if I talk it over with me, the old character is alive and well and ready to take over at any moment and screw this situation up. There's, there's so much to be said about this, step 10, but um, I'm going to stop talking now and let you talk about it. So if you'd like to um, share about your experience with step 10, anything I left out on step 10 that you feel would be important to bring to the surface right now, or if you'd like to ask a question, you can do that. And uh, we're going to open up the meeting. So if you'd like to share, you just raise your hand and I will call on you. And we are taping this meeting, so please hear me. We are taping this meeting, and we're making it available for people to listen to at other times. So if you do not want your name or your voice on this recording, please don't ask a question out loud. You could go to the chat and ask a question in the chat, and I will read it out loud, and I will not say your name. Uh, so you can do that. So we're going to start with Luke. Thank you. My name's Luke. I'm an alcoholic. Hi, Luke. Go uh, when you brought up the toothbrushing. That really did get me present. <laughs> I was right in the moment at that point. Um, Randy, you're amazing, man. Like, honestly, I, I don't know where you've come from, but I'm very glad that I know about you and I get to listen to you, man. Your, your understanding and awareness and I, I do I know you say there's nothing to learn in this meeting and that making notes doesn't necessarily help but like I do make notes and um and I do find and I do find them helpful and I do know that ultimately I need to be connected to my, my higher power because if I'm talking to me then I'm going to handle situations my way um which I've done my whole entire life and I'm quite surprised that I'm still alive and I'm even more surprised that I'm sober actually that is completely miraculous with a mind like mine um but I love what you said about I mean I wish I could have had this perspective with me in previous situations when you said 99% of what someone does is not being done to me they're doing it because if they don't, they think that they are a loser. And I wish I could have applied that to heartbreak. I wish I could have applied that to, you know, anyone who'd ever done me wrong. So, I mean, the one thing I will say is that I, I, I take notes most of the time with the things that are said in this meeting, not just by you, but by other people. And they are really, really unbelievable, like, assets that I can turn to and just hold in my mind the stuff that really helps me. Um and uh, I don't want to share long. I'm sort of locked into this routine where I go to work on a Saturday night. So I only get to like listen to you share and then maybe share if, if it, you know, if, if I feel compelled to do so. Um, my alcoholism always compels me to share. I mean, it's just, um, but I, I, yeah, I, I'm, I have, I, you know, I'd love to talk to you more, Randy. And, um, and obviously I have questions, but it's just amazing to hear you and your understanding of this program is just gold to me. Um, so I'd like to talk to you in the week and I hope you got my, uh, my edit back and I hope yeah. that it was sufficient. Uh, but yeah. we can also talk about that another time and uh, I'm going to have to go quite quickly, but 
really grateful to have heard you, Randy. I feel like it's kind of set me up for the evening and I'm going to be practicing talking to my higher power throughout my evening. Um, thanks. Thanks, Luke. And thanks for that recording. Yeah, I got it back. It's going to be up. It's probably up now. And uh, thanks for fixing that for us. Uh, next up is Eric. Hey, Randy. Hi, everyone. I'm Eric, and I'm an alcoholic. Hi, Eric. And, uh, grateful to be here again. Um, yeah, you covered uh, such good ground today, Randy. Um, the 10-step is kind of where I'm at these days, and uh, I've been looking at it uh, frequently, and, and uh, I love that you put it in the light of um, when we were wrong, promptly admitted it, which I've been kind of gauging that more toward behavior and things that have uh, occurred between me and other people. Uh, but to put it into that thought realm, like as soon as I have that thought, promptly admit it and give it to God and all of that. And uh, yeah, that's an important distinction for me, you know, and uh, um, I, I basically have a question about um you know, making the amend, uh, you know, correcting the behavior uh, and the thinking, um, you know, it may be exactly what you just said, but maybe there's more about uh, in the 10th step, you know, promptly admitting the wrong. Um, do you have anything more to add about that? Uh, the, the making amends part is, is step nine. That's where I learn how to make amends. And I learn how to do that with a sponsor. But uh, a lot of people think that making amends is saying, I'm sorry. And that is not making amends. That's just being sorry. And I've been sorry my whole life. I am the sorriest person always saying, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, but never changing the behavior. So really I'm not sorry. I'm just sorry that you're mad at me for my bad behavior. I'm, I'm sorry you got mad. I'm not sorry for what I did. I'm sorry you got mad. I'm sorry it, it disturbed you. I didn't mean to. But, but the truth of the matter is I did whatever I wanted to. So I have to find a way to make the amends. Because saying I'm sorry is not making amends. It's just saying I'm sorry. And we've all done that millions. It's like saying I love you to somebody after you've been with them for 20 years. Just saying it because you know that'll that'll like calm the waters. Oh yeah, I love you. Uh, but but not meaning it, not not showing it, not loving them. Just saying it to get them off my back, which is so. So there's an art to making amends, and when I become good at that, I don't want to have to do it anymore, because making a good amends is painful. Time consuming and sometimes in you know is money consuming and it's just uh, it's just unnecessary. I'd rather be the man that God wants me to be today and not have to be running around making amends all the time. But I do, I do. I have, I have to make an amends to Jeff on this call. I missed a phone call. I didn't show up for. I went and played golf instead, and I forgot to tell him. <laughs> <laughs> and that's just it's just what happened and and you know I could say I'm sorry but it's what I did 
and saying I'm sorry doesn't doesn't do it. Then I'll miss it again next time I want to play golf. What 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 can I do now to pay the price to make that amends so that next next time I am the man that God wants me to be at least in advance saying hey I have something else I'm doing today. Uh, and and letting the other person live in the reality of of their own time instead of waiting around. So nobody else has their hand up. There you go. Hi, Jen. Hi. Um, sorry to go back to step nine, but I'm kind of wondering where it says um, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Um, and I know it gives an example of like extramarital affairs and stuff, but where I'm having, I'm not at that step yet, so I know I need to work that out with my sponsor, but I'm kind of dealing with a situation where um, I feel like if I did make an amends, it would it would cause harm. Um, but then I feel like I'm to do, you know, be loving and present with that person and do things, you know, but I feel like a fraud because they don't know what I did. So I'm just kind of curious what your thoughts are on that. My thought is do not worry about step nine until you get there. Uh, definitely don't make an amends if you're not in the amends step. And, uh, and don't fantasize about what the amends going to be until you've talked to your sponsor about it. And uh, if you don't like their idea, you can ask somebody else, but I wouldn't recommend doing that a lot because because then what I end up doing is going from person to person to try and find the person that agrees with my idea of how I should make the amends. But it's it's so everybody wants to talk to themselves about which amends they're going to make, which amends they can't make, and blah, 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 when they're not in step nine. So I would say concentrate on the step where you are. And when you get to nine, you will have... You will become a person that that can intuitively know how to handle situations that used to baffle them. And you'll see that God's doing for you what you can't do for yourself. And you'll have a better awareness of who you're supposed to make amends to and not because you did the list in eight. And the willingness to make that amends comes in eight. It doesn't come in seven or six or wherever you are in their steps. And so I would write I would write down the harm so you have it. And talk to your sponsor about it, but don't, don't make any amends uh, until you're in step nine. I mean, the direct amends, you're making a lot of indirect amends right now to everybody around you by not drinking. Okay, next is Christine. Hi, Christine, alcoholic. <clears throat> Um, thank you so much, and thank you for pointing out. Uh, continue to take personal inventory. That's yeah, I'm doing it all through the day, and um, the my continued self awareness is what gives me some freedom. And um, I um, I I was impatient with my mother with heart failure, and I was with her for like a week, and and I I, I wanted to leave and so I apologized to her for being impatient and then I thought of like well my sister and brother we used to say sorry doesn't feed the horse you know and so like next time 
I know that I, they used to always say that to me, sorry to be the horse. Like, you can say sorry all you want, but you're not, you don't change because, you, you know, you're still the same pain in the ass. And so I know that I have to change my behavior. I know I have to be pa- more patient with her next time, and I have that self-awareness. But I have a quick question about being selfish because I, I live alone and I live a pretty simple life and I, I do like the 10 step in the big book, kind to all, resentment, selfish, dishonest, to have secrets, fearful, harm, anyone, apology, think of other, you know, all that. And I wonder, like I sometimes wonder how to discern self-care and selfishness and setting boundaries of people and being selfish. If you have any thoughts on that. I'm not a huge fan of setting boundaries because I think that is who's setting the boundaries. I think that's just another tool for managing well. If I figure out how to set my boundaries, then I'll get what I want. (laughs) I'll be at peace. But setting boundaries never makes me at peace because everybody crosses my boundaries. And then I'm resentful at them. And then I have to go back to the spiritual axiom that whenever I'm disturbed, there's something wrong with me. What I find is, as a rule, the more I love the people that are in my life exactly the way they are right now, the more I attract the people in my life that I don't have to set boundaries with. Now, there are toxic people in my life, and my parents were kind of toxic for me. They're beautiful, wonderful, fantastic people. I I see today all of their good stuff, but I could only see their bad stuff when I, when they, for most of my childhood. In, In the end, I had a beautiful relationship with my mom and my dad. But for the most of my life, they were the enemy. They were the thing that I blamed all of my bad behavior on, all of it. And, uh, It was me that was backwards. I have to see who I am. And, you know, in in the four step, we do a sex inventory, which ends up where we create our ideal for a relationship. It says here's, you know, using this information, we we create an ideal. Uh, I thought it was that I wrote down what my ideal partner would be like. Uh, But what it's saying is, I create the ideal for who I'm going to be. And when I am that ideal person, I'm going to attract a a partner that is attractive, is attracted to those things. So that it's not about setting boundaries so people will act right. It's about being right so boundaries aren't necessary yeah and all of this is my opinion by the way i i don't know any of this to be true but i do know this that when i ask my higher power to help me be the person that it would have me be there are no boundaries necessary i intuitively know how to be the person that's needed for the situation that i'm in And this whole thing is about intuition and there's no intuition in boundaries except for in the moment that I'm saying, no, this is not okay. But it's not a pre, it's not a predetermined boundary that I set in advance. It's a right now in this moment, I'm feeling intuitively guided to say, no, no, I'm not going to do that. And I hope you're okay with that, but that's, I'm being true to myself right now. So 
I'm not doing that. If there's another way I could help you, I'm happy to help you, but this is not appropriate for me right now. And, and in the moment, the right answer comes to me as it's needed. <clears throat> That's a different way of life than learning what my boundaries are and setting them out there so no one can come in and then putting video cameras so I can watch them when they're crossing my boundaries and judging and, and determining who's in my boundaries and not all the time. That's a full-time job. Linda? Hi, I'm Linda. I'm an alcoholic and an addict. Hi, Linda. Uh, I needed to, to check in. Um, I, uh, you know, I, I've done the steps multiple times. The last time I, I got a new sponsor who is focused mostly in prime time um, in, in long ago. Wow, I guess it's like six years ago now. Um, where I once again did a fourth fourth and fifth step and then the ninth step and I had done something that I had never done before she told me to read the ninth step and there were instructions and to find those instructions and write them down I think there were 43 that I found I I had been in the program 20 years at that point and I had never seen that there were instructions on how to go about this um, and I totally agree that um, you know I'm sorry is not an amends it's changing one's behavior you know, and I can't always do that on, on my own. I have to, I have to ask for help. First of all, I have to ask for help from somebody else in the program to be able to see my part if I can't. And then I have to ask my higher power to, to lift that, give me the willingness to change that. Um, and uh, um, and then the the tenth step. When we got to the tenth step. She had me do it every day. I had to hand deliver it to her apartment house, which I had a major resentment to. Like, I have to walk all the way over to the West Village to deliver this to you. I can't email it to you. Um, but I did it. I was willing um, because I wanted what she had. And if I want what someone has, I have to be willing to do what they asked me to do. So I walked it over. I think it was for 30 days I had to walk it over. And then after that, I could email it or text it. And, and it was very interesting, and it was always like, go deeper, get more introspective, you know, find those adjectives that describe the behavior that you need to work on. Um, so, and, and interesting enough, I've gotten slack doing it uh, in this pandemic. Um, but um, I'm finding, on another note, I am one of these people who believe in boundaries. So, um, I mean, in Alan, but I like what you said, in the moment you figure out the boundary. And, you know, you don't have to write a list and say, these are my boundaries, don't come near me. But in that moment, no, you can't talk to me that way. No, you can't hit me. No, I don't want to do that. You know, I will know what to do. Today, I know what to do because I can take care of Um, but, um, I'm definitely isolating more in the last week or two, you know, and it's going to be a little painful. Um, I'm not quite sure, um, why, um, I don't go out that much. I do go out once in a while, but I don't go out that much like everybody else. Um, and even though the infection rate in New York city is pretty good, um, and I walk in the street, so I'm away from people. I still, I'm just not real comfortable. 
Anyway, just uh, I um, I think I'll do a ten step tonight. Reminded me to do it. <laughs> Thanks a lot, Randy. Thanks. <clears throat> um, I think it's Jennifer. Is that right? Uh, the person with the three one two area code. Oh yes. Oh yes. Hi. Can you hear me? Yes. Yes. Hi. My name is Elizabeth. Elizabeth. And, uh, I'm an alcoholic. Hi, Elizabeth. Thank you. And I have uh, hi. I have 15 months on the 19th of this month. Um, but what a great meeting. Um, my gosh. I'm so. I really am thankful to have been told about it today. And there's just so much food for thought. I should have been taking notes. And I did start the meditation. And uh, I have to say, I didn't do the whole thing because I had made a sandwich. And I'm trying to take care of myself today and eating. So I did take that time to eat that. So, uh, But next time I will do it. And, um, yeah, I just... Um, one thing I've noticed about myself regarding boundaries, and there's so much that you said that is so important... I notice that if I say to you I don't like something that you just said or did, I expect it to never happen again. And then if you keep doing it or saying it, I um, I do see that as, you know, I have a right to get upset. So um, I'm just kind of working on all of this and accepting, um, you know, people as they are. And I hope to God I start attracting people who um, don't cross the boundaries, you know, that are... Long and short term. We tell Kathy. Thank you, Elizabeth. I don't know what happened okay, there. Thanks. Somebody broke into our broadcast. Uh-oh. All Uh-oh. right. So, thank you. It is 1228. Uh, I'll share real quick. Yes. Uh, I didn't realize you were playing golf. That's... Sorry, Jeff. No, it's all right. That was, I'm sorry. Uh, you didn't need to do that. That was cool. Um, I'm glad you got to enjoy that. And... Uh, <laughs> Uh, it just kind of occurred to me the it's nice that we have the 10th step, right? Because we are not saints, right? And every day is a day that, uh, you know, I start over and, um, and the ego has great recuperative powers and I can be in self without knowing it. And I can act on that and, uh, and I can, uh, create the need, uh, for a 10th step. So, um, Pretty, pretty grateful for this program uh, and for everything, all the people that have been put in my life. I had a rough week. I had to take my son to school and drop him off, and uh, he, I'm very close with him, and it was pretty um, emotional for me. And um, and I I was able to connect. You know, I had and you know, being a human's hard. <laughs> being a human is hard. And, and, uh, sometimes, sometimes it's not. And, but there are these times when you can, you can feel alone, uh, or in the past where I have felt like I was going through everything alone. And, and <clears throat> I was, um, I was able to ask God to be with me, um, when I was doing the stuff with an ex-wife and the stepdad and stuff that I would not really otherwise want to do. And, and to be, you know, a, a a good guy during that and, uh, be there for my son and, um, and show up. And, um, and then I was able to, you know, we went out to dinner right at the time. I normally do primetime, uh, New York meeting. And, uh, one of the people from the meeting was texting me during, you know, like, where are you? Why aren't you on the call? And I'm like, I'm at dinner with my ex-wife and her husband and my son. And 
and I just basically turned the zoom on and <laughs> listened in, you know, while I was at dinner, it, it uh, I didn't want to be at that dinner and, um, and I was able to do it. And, uh, I was just really grateful that I have people in my, in my life like that at that time. So thank you. Thanks, Thanks Randy. Thanks Jeff. So it is 1230 right now. Uh, Phyllis has her hand up, so we're going to give her a minute. We be. Um, yeah, I can do it maybe in a minute. It's a revelation to me that you brought up the boundaries. I don't know in the tense, when, whenever, but at the end. And it's such a revelation to me being in Al-Anon for 16 years or whatever and learning about boundaries. And what I realized as you were speaking that you, Randy, I don't mean you're right, but you're right. Whatever came out of you is right because if you really are in touch with God in the moment, the boundary can be made. And that's all it is. I, I never realized I had to have control. I didn't trust God. I didn't have faith that God was going to take care of the situation and me in the moment I was in. That's all, uh, Thank you so much for today that to, to see this differently, to have an experience in the moment. Thanks, God. Thanks, friend. Thanks, Phyllis. Beautiful. Wow. Perfect meeting. Perfect. You guys were perfect. I appreciate you so much. I am so grateful that you come and spend this time with me on Saturdays and Wednesdays. And my heart is so bursting open right now. I feel so grateful. And um, uh, we record this meeting. I'm going to stop it right now because you don't need any of this.